Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Thanks for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Now, on the podcast this week, we have our second manager. Uh, we had Nicky Law on a few months ago, and uh, that was really great to have him on. Um, and we're following that up with John Duncan. Now, John needs no introduction, really, uh, but he'll get one anyway. Um, he was He's had two spells in charge of Chesterfield. Uh, in his first spell in the 1980s, we won the league title in just his second season in charge. And then when he came back in the 1990s, uh, we got promoted by the playoffs at Wembley uh, against Bury. That also included a very epic semi-final against Mansfield that everyone remembers very, very well. Uh, he was then obviously also the manager that took us to the FA Cup semi-final in 1997. Um, so with the 25-year anniversary coming up, it was great to get his memories uh, and recollections of that time. Um, glasses flying when Jamie Hewitt scored that last-minute equaliser. Um, what memories, uh, it's not something that happens every day so to speak to John Duncan about it was really really special um, as always we are at Spire Legends on Twitter Legends of the Spire on Facebook and now also Spire Legends on Instagram too um, so please do like, share, subscribe, whatever you can do on um, whichever way you either watch or listen to it um, any way you can spread the news is really appreciated um, so without further ado let's start the episode here we are with the legendary John Duncan on Legends of the Spire. Legends of the Spire. So can I ask you first about your playing career? Because probably most Chesterfield fans think about you as your manager, managerial career, but you scored a lot of goals, didn't you, for Dundee and, and Spurs, teams like that? Yeah, yeah, I had a good goal-scoring record, yeah, and I managed to take it with me when I moved down to Spurs, which was a big move at the time, obviously, from Dundee, and uh, enjoyed it there, and uh, managed to keep scoring, as you say. Yeah, what what type of playing were, were you? What, what were your skills and attributes? Well, goal-scoring was my main thing. I mean, it became kind of at that time, and the teammates, everybody, you know, the... Spurs especially were uh, had, had good goal scorers on the Greaves and whatnot. Um, so somebody that scored goals was something that they wanted their striker to do. Uh, and it, before long, whereas in Scotland I was trying to maybe be more of a an all-round player, it was important that I got goals. Uh, and it became... You really, my lifeblood, that's what got me in the team. That's what kept me in the team. And uh, I was pleased. I got a few injuries and unfortunately at the wrong times. But when I was playing, I managed to, to keep a, a decent goal scoring record up. Mm. Was that quite an easy transition for you then going from Scotland to? Um, it wasn't easy, no. I mean, I was up totally in awe when I came from Dundee to Spurs. I mean, the Paid 130 or 40 grand for me, and I'm thinking in myself, I'll do well. I get in the, the first team here, but when you pay that kind of money, you're in the first team right away. Yeah, and it did take me a little bit different type of play, had to be quicker in my brain and alert and time on the ball. Uh, and it took me a wee while, although even although when I wasn't, wasn't quite got up to grips with it, I managed to nick quite a few goals while that was happening and eventually I did manage to get uh, into it after a few months and uh, that was fine. And so you were playing with people like Glenn Hoddle and people like that were you then in your... Yeah, I played when Hoddle came into the team and before that I played with Martin Peters, World Cup winner, uh, Pat Jennings, uh, Mike England, Phil Beale, Martin Chivers, Ralph Coates, you know, Steve Perryman, these types of players. Just over a quarter of an hour of the second half gone now. Still Manchester United leading by a goal to nil.
side and one. What about your goal? Um, I was uh, very happy to get one. I had a few efforts that just didn't go in, and I was thinking my day wasn't going to be my day, but I managed to get that one. It's been a marvellous season for you, though, hasn't it? Can you yeah, put that down to anything in particular? Not really. I feel I've, I've got over injuries, which I had a problem at the beginning of the season, and uh, the breaks have been going with me. Was going into management something that you wanted to do from quite early? Was that ever in your mind? Well, yeah, I got qualified as a coach when I was quite young. Well, I was still at Dundee, actually. Um, I'd been to PE college and, you know, seen the, watched the coaching going on and I felt, yeah, let me get myself qualified to be a coach, which I did. And uh, that was when I was about 22. I got fully qualified as a coach in Scotland. I didn't do the English one until I was uh, just turned 30. But yeah, I was always thinking about the coaching side of things. Yeah. So then your first kind of coaching job, was that Scunthorpe? First? Yeah. And you were still... Kind of RB, the contract was up and I applied for the player manager's job. Um, and I got it. I don't think because I don't think there was too many people wanted it, that, that job. But uh, And I didn't actually play much. My injuries were too much for me. Achilles tendon in my back. But... Uh, yeah, that was my first managerial job. Obviously, my first season, I mean, I'd, I had some of my ideas that I thought, but really when it came to practice, these ideas were were, were a waste of time. You only only really picked up the the ways and ways of managing and working things out once I was in the job. Mm. So my first season was a bit of a disaster, but it was a great learning experience for me. And uh Fortunately, I kept my job after uh, a really bad year. Um, but then the next year, what I'd learned and the way that I went about it, we ended up at top of the league around Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, in the top three, uh, you know, nearly all the time. But for, unfortunately, I lost my job. So when I was at the bottom of the league, I kept my job. When I was at the top of the league, I got the sack, you know. So it was a strange uh, feeling at that time. Management's not changed then. <laughs> <laughs> Funny things happen, don't they, in management, crikey. Um, so was it was it tough going from playing with like World Cup winners to then managing players that were obviously not at that level? Was it was it different like that or not? Definitely. That first season was such a shock to me and uh, um, hugely different trying to manage and to play. And really, the, all you thought you'd learn as a coach and as a player really was of little consequence. It's, it's, it was, management's like totally different to being a player. Uh, and that's why I'm, when you hear these pundits on the telly and the players who haven't managed or coached, I think it's a big drawback to them in their, in their knowledge of the game and what they can impart to the viewers because it's just a... And I think most managers would say the same. What did you What did you know about managing before you became a manager? And the answer is zero. Um, and you've just got to build it up from there. So your potential blueprint of how to be a manager was kind of chucked in the bin. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I can remember one of my one of my thoughts where, as a player, that you know you got to be together, which is fair enough. But you've got to be sympathetic to players. You've got to be able to uh, help them to maybe their, their 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 family life as well as their um, playing, and 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 really be what would you say helpful to them outside the game as well, and that would be beneficial to them as players. But that just worked out opposite to me. You know, I went in there and. You know, if they wanted a day off to go to the doctor or they wanted a day off because the kid was a, had the flu, you know, that type of thing, I would I would go along with that. Um, but we're at the bottom of the league uh, and I didn't see much benefit to it. So the next season I decided, look, no, first football's first for these guys. If they, they're signed contracts with Scunthorpe, 
we're starting at 10 o'clock. You've got to be there. There's no excuses, pretty much no excuses. Um, people coming and asking for days off, and I'd say no, where I would have said yes. And lo and behold, we're at the top of the league. So um, I started to feel that that was more the method that uh, you should use, which wasn't me as a person, but it's what I learned was the right way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you ended up at Chesterfield, didn't you, via, mm. via Hartlepool? Yeah. The choice of either staying at Hartlepool or coming to Chesterfield? I did, yeah. Uh, when I left Scuntop, I got a Hartlepool job, which was, you know, they were pretty dire but and, and, and as a team, but I really enjoyed it. We started to build something there, and it was quite promising for the next year, I felt. But I couldn't turn down the approach from Chesterfield. I didn't. They, they, they'd, well, they'd just been taken over by Mike Watterson and um, Barry Hubbard. And uh, I knew them as a club, been living in Duffield not that far away. Not that not didn't know them that well, but I could see what what their potential was, and I I couldn't refuse it, so I moved. Yeah, what what did they say to you to um, to convince you to take the job? Well, I had an interview with uh, Mike Watterson. Um, I mean, I wanted the job. It was just whether I was going to be the candidate to to get it. Mm. I think Emlyn Hughes was was right in there as well. Uh, and Mike Waters interviewed me. We were in the station hotel. And he said, you know, what's your position? And I said, well, look, I've just been to to Burnley for a interview. Uh, and I thought I did pretty well and gone well with them there. Uh, and I've come to yourself and chatting away to you. Um, and he says, all right, then. He says, um, if you were offered both the Chesterfield job and the Burnley job, which one would you take? And I thought, oh boy, he's put me on the spot here, doesn't he? <laughs> so I thought about it for 10 seconds and said, I'd take the Burnley job. And he says, oh, right, you've got this one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's exactly the way it went. <laughs> and what were your first impressions of the club? Yeah, progressive. It was a new start, wasn't it? It was a new board, new owners. Um, the club had done really well, hadn't it, with the Scottish, the Anglo-Scottish, mm-hmm. but financially it had got itself in trouble and the whole thing changed around um, and it was, talk was positive, but unfortunately we only had six players, so really to be feeling too positive about how the performance was going to be was 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 really not not logical but we did okay yeah and i was going to actually ask kind of what you thought of the squad of players when you first came in so you didn't really have one there were six and three of them were kids <laughs> um i think paul gregory gary bellamy uh I think they were the two first team players or possible first team players that were left. Mm. So I had to get signing players right away. Yeah. But so, I did know the division and I did know the players around at the time. So it was difficult, but we got it done. Yeah. So were the players straight away that you were like, those are the ones that I need to sign? Um, pretty much. I, I brought Steve Baines with me from Scunthorpe. Uh, which was a uh, a good move. Eventually, it took um, Les Hunter as well. They they'd taken they'd been successful for me at Scunthorpe and managed to get these two as centre backs, which I thought was, you know, if we've got these two, I'm I'm going to be all right. Uh, and then yes, just brought in a few others from around, and Alan Birch came. I didn't know a great deal about him, but. He came and uh, we did well to sign him um, and he gave us a lift as well. Hmm. So first season was kind of uh, 13th, I think, first season? Yeah, not bad really, you know, considering the big changes. Everybody wanted to win every game, of course. Hmm. Um, But I thought it was a reasonable start and did give me the the basis of where I wanted to go and 
get get the kind of what would you say the the main structure of the team in place and just just bring in a few extra at the time and hopefully away we'd go. And then obviously second season. Mm. So we've had it with a few managers at Chesterfield where they've won the league in a in the second season. Yeah. Um, you know how how do you how do you go from coming kind of mid table and then building it into a into a title winning team? What's what's the key things that you do? I think that year, if I'm right, I didn't actually sign any players in the summer. I'd kind of got them all during that previous season, either on loan and transferred them into uh, into full contracts. So I got them settled or a settled team, and we knew pretty much what the best team was, and you know maybe the two or three backup players that were around it at the time. And um, yeah, that was a big help. We we just went straight into the next season um, with players who who'd got to know one another, uh, got to know the strengths of the team, and uh, away we went. And I, I suppose when you've got that squad already built, then it gives you the pre-season to actually concentrate on working with them, doesn't it? Rather than signing a whole new bunch of players. That's right. These days, there's a huge change around at the end of every season. Yeah, we we had our change around during the previous season. Yeah, what were your what were your pre-seasons like? Did the players enjoy them? <laughs> I don't think they did, but I did. I liked. I enjoyed seeing them running up and down these hills. Um. <laughs> We brought in a coach, uh, athlete, athletics coach, John Tivy from Derby Rugby Club, and he helped us a lot on our planning with that. And we really did get them fit. That was a big, big thing. You know, we needed to. You got, you got to match the other team for legs in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I remember when we had um, Sean O'Neill on the podcast. He was saying that he he thought he was fit before he came to Chesterfield, but then he. He realised he wasn't that fit. <laughs> so. Well, he was at Chesterfield, but he may he thought he was fit until he joined in the train with, with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean's a good player. I mean, he, he'd taken over the social club and really had kind of gone part-time, but uh, I thought, no, I need him. So he, he actually changed back to full-time for the, for the championship season. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. He was talking about that, saying that, he didn't really know what you what you thought of him with him also running the social club at the same time. It's uh, it's an odd thing, isn't it? <laughs> well, he didn't he didn't know what I thought of him. No. <laughs> oh, well, he did well, okay. Off. He did okay. He, yeah, he had to, well. Sean was a good player, but you had to keep on on top of him. I always felt. Yeah. So, so I mentioned at the start a bit about training. A lot of players have talked about you know they turn up in the morning and be like, right, where are we training today? And it was kind of a case of going out and finding somewhere where you could train, wasn't it, every day? Definitely. Uh, we tried the Chesterfield School, but we couldn't always get there. So we were driving around looking for a patch of, patch of land um, and nicked on there before anybody time to kick us off <laughs> and do what we had to do. Um, regularly didn't know what, where we were training when we got in the cars to, you know, changed in the cars at Saltergate to go and look. Mm. And a, a few players I've spoken to have actually said that that kind of helped with the togetherness of the squad. That's yeah, that. because it's a bit of a laugh, wasn't it? And we're all trying to make the best of it. And um, and it did, yeah. Uh, you know, you're okay. You're not, you don't feel like you're at Real Madrid, do you? But uh, it did seem to have a bonding effect which we took through yeah yeah Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't have to pick up dog muck does he <laughs> well yeah that's I was I'm glad you raised that I was going to but yeah there was quite a bit of that on some of the pitches that we trained on yeah crikey so what was so how did you want to build a team to, to win a title what were your what were your fundamentals of being a manager um I think you know once I'd got over the shock of the first season at Scunthorpe and built it up. I felt that you got to be fit. you got to get your, 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 your set play organisation uh, sorted so that if you, over a season, 
scored more goals at free kicks and corners than you conceded, you're on a plus. Hmm. And if you're fitter or as fit as the fittest team in the league, you're also on a plus. So I had to get, I was determined to get that bit right, first of all. So, um, and along with the set play organisation, um, was, was, we needed a kind of a shape that people could recognise and players knew their roles in it. And we developed that. Most teams played 4-4-2 at that time and um, we did pretty much. And everybody knew pretty, again, it was odd changes. Somebody sometimes played a winger further forward with Phil Brown to make it a 4-3-3. Um, but our best team was when it was a 4-4-2. And um, we worked on that and everybody knew what they had to do and everybody knew what everybody else's job was as well. Mm. So um, that was important. Also defensively, we would never, never get done in behind. Nobody could get done in behind. Um, and up front, if there was a chance to get the ball in the box, we would never turn away from it. Um, you know, they were the they were the principles that we would would use. And so many players have talked about how they all knew when they were playing where everyone was going mm. and what everyone was going to do. So there was players that were new to um, following shots from certain players and. Uh, where people were going to go in, in plays and stuff like that. I suppose that's just being repetitive and well-drilled, isn't it? Well, I said repetitive practice. Um, Kev, Kev Randall was with me, although he, he was um, physio, but he did a bit of the training. You know, he, 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 could, he could, you know, get a good, get a good um, team shape done in a, in a way that was enjoyable. It wasn't just standing around, although we did have to concentrate on the shape of the team for quite a, quite a lot of the time in training. Mm. Yeah, and you mentioned um, Kevin Randall. Um, he was obviously uh, with you all, all the time. What Do you have those kind of discussions in the office about, about kind of, uh, you know, previous matches, what's coming up and, and stuff like that and things that you kind of uh, kind of bounce off each other? When you're a management team, um, of course we're talking. We're talking all the time about what we can do to improve or discuss re the team selection, team training. You know, or you know, you know whether are we looking ahead the next six games or look that just take this one as it comes, which was usually the case. Mm. And um, he was excellent. We didn't think differently either we you know we don't, didn't think exactly the same about the game but we had with very um, similar thoughts on it and also would although you wouldn't have thought so our management experience and coaching was similar he he got into management uh, off the back of coaching at York and had a short spell there in a tough tough environment and I had the same at uh, Scunthorpe so we both had got over the shock of becoming a manager rather than a player uh, and were able to use the, those experiences to, to help the team. And in that, that title winning season, how, how much do you get to actually enjoy winning the title when you're the manager and how much is it like, right, next season? <laughs> how, long, how long do you actually have to enjoy it? Oh, it's week to week, isn't it? I mean... Mm -hmm. I mean, we were up, we were up there, but then we also um, did we? Yeah, we had a little spell where I think there was five of us going for four places, or four four of us going for three places, and there was a period it was looking like we were going to be the fourth, you know, the one just just missing out. Mm. Um, but we just kept sticking to our guns. We had Ernie and. Um, Bob Newton up front, who and Phil Walker as well uh, shared shared the two positions, uh, and we managed to get enough service to them to get to get them scoring goals. Um, but yeah, that 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 was that's the way we went about it, and we were looking like I say maybe ending up fifth, and we had this week where we had to go to Hereford, who were in up top, 
away from home on the Tuesday night, and then we had to go to Darlington, who were also above us away from home on the Saturday. So, you know, most people are thinking we're in big trouble here. But we won both those games and that, that was it. And we, you know, we really steamed, steamrolled it from there. Hmm. Was that the point then that you thought, yeah, we can yeah. do this? Yeah, we beat both of those uh, away from home. Great games, both of them. Uh, and I knew the, the team had the mentality and the ability to be able to do it. Then. Yeah. And, and those next two seasons after we've been promoted, obviously held our own in the in the league book just about didn't I didn't feel I mean there was a cut I made I felt, I felt there was a few instances where I got things wrong there um the team had to change too much but you know the people who had been good in the fourth weren't always able weren't able to do it quite so successfully in the in the third as what as they were called at that time um right through Chris Marples was Fantastic in the fourth. Um, he, he had his cricket career as well. He, he didn't do so well the next season. Baines and Hunter found it a big struggle in the in the next league at that time, whether it, for whatever reason. Sean was finishing. I made a big mistake in letting John Matthews go. He was a real good midfield player that I didn't quite appreciate at the time. Um, Ernie was finishing Bob Newton moved it was we were in a real transition so as much as we survived it it was really backs to the wall for a couple of seasons Is it is it tough when you've got those players that have done so well in one season and then you kind of have a have to have a, a conversation or have to kind of replace them it's, I suppose it's the reality of it but it's, it must be Of course you know you've got your your bankers I mean Marples, Baines, Hunter, O'Neill uh, were bankers. Another, the other one was um, Brian Ferguson, right back. So it was Ferguson, Baines, Hunter, and um, O'Neill. And Brian Ferguson got a bad injury before the season started. So the five at the back all had to change. Mm. Um, Centre backs played occasionally in and there, and, and you know, but never actually got as dominant. As they were. Yeah. And so during that first spell as Chesterfield manager, which players did you really enjoy working with? Well, that whole whole squad were absolutely different class, but they were, what would you say? They called it the goodies and the baddies. There was a, there was a kind of a split there and we had the kind of, a, what would you say, the, the serious, the you know, the, the 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 typical professional and hardworking like Ernie, fantastic, and uh, quite a few others on the, on the same lines. And then there was the group who were just a little bit, you know, wanted to have a good time, and um, but were all good players as well. Mm. In fact, Steve Kendall, who was probably the best player, you know, touch brain ability uh, as anybody in that team and uh, but he was in that that group where they weren't rebels they just needed needed to be controlled but it wasn't easy to control them you had to <laughs> let them go off their own, their own way and pull them back together and to be fair they did well um, so that was the, a, a big contrast in that team for that season that just gelled brilliantly but it didn't continue the next year is that where kind of teaching experience comes, comes in handy because you having to teach them treat them almost like a classroom <laughs> well no I, I can't say that no it was I mean it was just it was really taught me all about all the facets of management that 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 team and different things to to handle and and yet keep them playing and was and, and keep them and they were all they were good players. Uh, as I said, Kendall, Fergie, Newt, you know, real good good players. There's no doubt about it. Um and uh, it was great to see them when they were performing like these two games at 
Hereford and Darlington that really came to the fore and produced it. Yeah. Can you enjoy it from the sidelines when, when they're playing that well? No. <laughs> no. Well, you can only enjoy it for about five minutes after you've won the match. That's about <laughs> it. And then you had, obviously, a spell at Ipswich, didn't you? And, and then mm-hmm. as a teacher as well before coming back to Chesterfield. Mm-hmm. What was, was that kind of too good, too good to turn down, going to Ipswich? Of course. We, we were really... Chesterfield, the, the finances had gone... Um, the team was really struggling. In fact, Kevin Randall took over from me, from me and he did a remarkable job keeping them up again. Um, so, yeah, when Ipswich came along, you know, there wasn't too much thought needed on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, like I said, you had a spell, didn't you, as a teacher before you came back as back to Chesterfield? Well, yeah, uh, I got a sack at Ipswich and, yeah, I taught for a couple of years, actually. Because I qualified as a PE teacher way back. Uh, and that was my first job about 20 years after I qualified. Hmm. <laughs> was it was it nice to have a break from football or were you itching to get back in? No, it was a good break to start with. I was I'd I'd, I'd had enough at Ipswich as well. I'd just got on top of me. Uh, all those solid years I'd done what solid from 81 to to 90, absolute solid management. And um, I mean, it wasn't like easy going. It was tough, tough job, all of them. So I really did need a break. But after a year or two, it was maybe 18 months, I was starting to think about it again. And when the Chesterfield one uh, cropped up, yeah, uh, I thought, like, we'll give it a go again. So I guess you jumped at the chance then, did you, when Chesterfield? Kind of a period. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I was, I was really enjoyed the teaching and I was considering going back to Scotland as well. But when it cropped up, I thought, look, yeah, i got to go again, you know, and just prove to myself that I can do this and hmm. let's see where we go. Yeah. And had it had the club changed at all or was it all pretty similar? No, it was a big change, wasn't it? Norton Lee was running it. Um Completely different, although Barry Hubbard was still there, which was good, and I worked well with Barry, thought a lot of him, and um, the club was not dissimilar, was needing needing a big, big change, needing a big, big overturn of players, um, which we managed to, to take on, and it was similar to the last time with kind of mediocre first season, but... Uh, did the business the second one, I think, if I recall. Chesterfield know they have much to do to get themselves in the frame for the playoffs, but they started well enough here when Nicky Law's header put them one up after 13 minutes. And David Moss found himself with time and space to line up the volley that made it two apiece. A fact not lost on the goalkeeper, you'll notice. Then in injury time, one point turned to three. The faintest touch from Andy Morris, but enough for the man they call Bruno to deliver the knockout punch. Chesterfield three, Gillingham two. And here again is the happy Chesterfield manager, John Duncan. Welcome, John. What do you actually say in those moments we saw before the match there in the dressing rooms? Managers approach it in different ways. What do you do? Well, it was a bit different for us um, yesterday. We hadn't played for three weeks, so it really had to be a reminder on all the pattern and exactly what we, we try to do in our system of play. So it was a repetition of that before the game. And did they do it? Pretty well, actually, yeah. We've got, we've got a system that we play to, and, and really everybody knows it. And at the minute, uh, they, they are doing it pretty well. Now, people say that whatever managers shout from the bench during the match, it does no good because nobody can hear them. But I've been to Chesterfield, mm-hmm. and I, I've heard your voice from the back of the stand. I mean, is it important what you get across during your game? Well, maybe you hear it, but sometimes I think the players don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, and a, a few players have spoken about Norton Lee kind of cutting the soap in half and <laughs> things like that. Was it? Is it easy as a manager, if, with, like that relationship between manager and chairman? What's it like? Norton Lee was, 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 was difficult to work for, but he was supportive. Hmm. Um you know, if you got beat, he wasn't on your back or, you, you, I mean, he didn't, a lot of managers, uh, owners sacked managers willy-nilly. He didn't do that, you know. Uh, he had a lot of things that I felt, you know, like most people, he, he could have 
um, been been better at. But on the, these big crunch situations, he he was there and supported me through it, and uh, invariably backed me on on most of the decisions. And what was your first impression in terms of what you needed to do to the squad when you came back in? Well, I had a good look at it and could see that it was wasn't going to knock any trees down. So I had to had to make moves. Um, trying to recall what what happened in the well, we, we had a little run before the end of the season, which gave me a a little gift lift of who could who who could use, but. In the end, we just we really had to change it pretty much right round. Went uh, Sean Dyche stayed. Um, the goalkeeper was good, McLennan, but he wanted to leave anyway. Um, that was about it. Um, there wasn't that many more. Well, Big Andy was around, and he proved to be a big big player for us. Um, so. There were good, there was a couple of good players there for us, but we still had to build right around it. And it was interesting. We had um, Tom Curtis on the podcast, and he was talking mm-hmm. about obviously doing his university studies at the same time and how he had to kind of juggle his week. That's so right. That was yeah. an interesting signing, wasn't it? Well, it was. It was it was great for us because you know money was always tight, and uh, Tom needed to go uh, or wanted to go to Loughborough, which was wise. Uh, and it gave us, he was going to sign for Burton part-time, but we jumped in and took him ourselves and turned out to be fantastic signing, you know. Top, top, just a few players, no doubt about that. And um, and so that that first season, I think it was eighth, I think, 93-94. Was it? Yeah. And, yeah. and like you said, second season, 94-95 is the playoff winning season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that unbeaten run. Yeah, remarkable. Do you, yeah. you find yourself getting quite superstitious when you keep winning? <laughs> uh, well, we did all right the first part of the season, but we just slipped a little bit, um, and we made two signings. Then we did it. We did it. Well, we made it. Yeah, we signed Lormor and Robinson. And we also did swap deal for um, Tony Bryan, Nicky Law, and Jamie Dave Moss for um, uh, Tony Bryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all those players that came to us came off and, and really helped us to go and move into another gear. And it worked out fantastically the second half of the season. Yeah. Was there a certain type of player that you thought you needed? Because I think when we were talking to Nicky Law, he was talking about how maybe you needed someone like him that that would come in, who was kind of a personality or his mentality towards winning. Was there something you were really looking for? Well, yeah, I think that was fair enough. There was nobody that took on that role um, before he came. But I was fortunate as well. I signed um, Laurie Madden, who was a great signing for us. So we suddenly, from not having, you know, any real, what would you say, stature and leadership at the back, um, we suddenly had Nicky Law and um, Laurie Madden. And Darren Carr also developed with them. Mm -hmm. And Lee Rogers as well, who I knew was a good player anyway. And we suddenly had a real solid backbone to the team that could allow us to go and play you know three forwards which was really fantastic for us in that and at that point Morris lovely little flick here's Lorber shot so so sharp wonderful goal Tony Lorber That's why Tony Lorber has become a hero and a very quick favourite with the Chesterfield fans. He only signed for them in the new year. He's got 11 goals for them in this time. And that was absolutely razor sharp. And, and obviously, as Chesterfield manager, you've had a lot of Mansfield derbies. But it was yeah. probably, probably the biggest one at the end of that season. The bonkers game, wasn't it? 
Oh yeah, that was the. I mean, that was a classic. I thought actually when we won that, that that was it. We'd done enough. But woke up the next morning and realised had to beat Berry in the final before we were clear. Um, no, uh, it was discipline, wasn't it? Really, which is what we had. You know, that's the other factor that I, I didn't mention before. You can't get booked. You can't get sent off. You don't go to ground and give penalties away. None of that. You stay on your feet. You no dissent, and nobody loses the temper. You know, you need you need eleven men on the pitch all the time, and that's what won it for us in that semi final. Um, we just kept calm under pressure, whereas they probably didn't. Yeah, and, and the and the final against Barry, you actually mm. changed it, didn't you? On the was it the morning? yeah? Um, well, Kevin Davis had been ill, and he played at Mansfield, but he didn't play in the return game, the second leg at Saltergate. Um, but he said he was all right, but he wasn't well. Had to make a decision and. I just felt the three up uh, and the three at the back, three defenders at the back, was just losing its sparkle a little bit, um, possibly through the Kevin Davis not, not being as energetic when he got ill, um, you know, that type of thing. And I just felt that against the better teams, we may just struggle a little bit again with the three, the three at the back and the three at the front. But it was a tough decision, you know. Kevin said to me, "Look, if you go and play a four-four-two against Barry, they've played it all season. Why, are you, why are you going to be better than them?" And it was, a, it was a good argument. But I did feel that the, the three at the back had lost its impetus, one for one reason or another, and I changed it. Yeah, changed it. Well, we changed it in the. The two game, the semi final, second leg in the final, mm. although it was it was a tough call for the final because Davis was fit again, you know. Yeah, and and that shows a lot of belief in your players, doesn't it? That you can you can go to them and say, right, we're changing it, and to trust them to then, you know, click. It. Yeah, but we, you know, we did work on it, and I, I mean, I remember working on the two systems. Well, we knew the three at the back anyway by that time, but I worked on the, the four at the back. Uh, as well, um, but I didn't actually make a decision until the, the Saturday morning. It was uh, it was a late call on it, and and some goals from long throws in that match. We've had a bit of a long throw renaissance recently, even all the like the big yeah the big teams and all that are doing it now. Yeah, we used to get stick for doing it. Um, Nicky was good at it. Yeah, and we had a wee system where we had players going in in the right uh, direction. And Nick, Nick, two goals in the final of it, yeah. Yeah. And it, even at Chesterfield now, we're, we're on onto the long throws again with George Carline. He can really throw him in the box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then you started to, in like the season after we'd got promoted, we started to um, kind of build that team that would then uh, play in the FA Cup run in the well, season after. I was, I was determined I would do better on the transition from the fourth to the third this time than I did the last time. I felt I personally could have done better on that. And yeah, we really moved on. And fortunately, you've got Davis coming in, which helps, you know, and um, Davis, Lormer, uh, Morris up front was formidable. And we've got a system worked out how, how we could make sure that that was our our, our way and that we could get the ball into the right areas and and really that season we knocked teams over by half time quite regularly in at home games and we're right in there right right up there and very close for most of the season as as a as a striker yourself did you have any you've had loads of really great strikers during your time at Chesterfield were there any that you really that you really liked I liked all I like I liked I like Bob Newton and the way he could hold the ball and yet, you know, his strength was actually to go and run in behind. And I liked the way he did that and gathered the ball. And he was also technically a good finisher 
when he got himself a chance. And obviously I loved um, Ernie Moss, who was didn't need me to tell him anything, um, was going to get was going to get his share of goals, but was equally effective at the other end of the pitch. So they were like different class. Um, then into the next team, um, the emerging Davis was, you know, fantastic that uh, a young boy could come on and, you know, give him his head and he, and he, and he, he scored quite a few goals actually, which people maybe don't recall. And Tony Lorma run all day and score goals and great team player as well. Um, and Andy Morris for, you know, what a target. In fact, he was better on the deck. He was good on the deck. People don't seem to realise that, how, how big a good a touch he had. And he was a great partner for those two lads. Did you ever get your boots on in training and kind of show them how it's done? I didn't want to show them up too much, so I didn't do that very often. <laughs> and and then we should go on, I suppose, FA Cup run. So uh, it's 25 years, I think, uh, next next year. It'll be the mm-hmm. anniversary. Um, obviously, what point did you think, oh, there's something something happening here? Because well, we didn't have many cup runs, did we? Uh, but if you look at all, if you look at the programs from the FA Cup. I said, Wembley, here we come, right from the start. But I just got that wrong. Um, no, I had a feeling we'd have a good cup run. A, we hadn't done particularly well in the cup. And B, we had a team that, you know, nobody, we're not going to lie down anywhere here. Um, and we had pace and power to score. So, you know, it wasn't a shock if, if, if we won... You know, you know, you don't win every week, but it wasn't a surprise that we were doing well. Mm. Yeah, and obviously a lot of home draws as well. So the, the yeah, the, so we got that was that was a big help because Saltergate, not many teams liked it, and we knew it and suited us. Yeah, were there, were there any matches in that run apart from the kind of semi final that you looked at that you were because obviously the 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 Kevin Davies hat trick at Bolton was was huge and. Uh, and I, I really remember the Nottingham Forest match. Were, were there any that stood out for you that were that you really, really enjoyed? Well, but, I don't know if I enjoyed it. Berry was the toughest. They, 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 they came closest to causing us a problem, and they were a real strong team, not just not, not similar to ourselves. Um, uh, Mark Williams scored a header at a corner, but the last 10 minutes, we just survived it. You know, it was a clinging on, and um, it was a great, great victory. Uh, so that was a that was a big game for us. But yeah, yeah, as you say, you know the three at the three at um, Bolton for Kev was magnificent, uh, and we played well. Forest really dominated the game. I mean, there was no luck in that one. Um, and we had all the changes that we had to make to. For the Wrexham game, I think Davis was out. Somebody else was out. Was it Dan Carr? They'd both been sent off the week before, or whatever it was. Uh, and somebody else was struggling. So it was a wasn't our strongest team that was out there. But we hung on, and what a finish by Beaumont, who probably got underrated as a player. Wrexham's run started at Little Colwyn Bay. Indeed, Wrexham were very close to going out. And here is Beaumont now. And Beaumont might just get in here. He has done. And Chesterfield are in the lead. Oh, what an atmosphere here now at Saltergate. Chris Beaumont is the hero of the moment for those supporters. Yeah, and you mentioned that the Battle of Saltergate, as, as as they call it now, where we had the two players sent off. Yeah. In between the, the Forest and the Wrexham games, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, and you talked about discipline, just a bit. Yeah. Players not using discipline. What When you're on the sidelines and something like that kicks off, what are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, I was thinking, look, we've got to get in there and calm them down. But Kev said, hey, sit down. You know, there's enough going on out there. 
without us getting involved, and he was right. And yeah, I said discipline, but those two lads didn't at that point. But we were really provoked. I mean, it was they came and kicked us off the pitch, which I don't blame them for. They couldn't take us on, and they needed the points, and they played a real tough, hard game against us that day, Plymouth, and probably deserved to beat us. And it just all sprung up, you know, I suppose you know, backing each other up type of thing was what they did and it just went the wrong way. Yeah. I but we still won, still beat Wrexham, so yeah. who knows what would have happened if we'd had them all out there. Exactly. And and going on to the, like, did you notice as the run went on, I suppose media interest started to get bigger, didn't sure. it? You had more people at the press conferences and yeah, like that. Was it, was that a, a strange thing to manage? Um... It became that, yeah, because, you know, there was a what a bit of a committee and because it got to that point, there was so much going on, um, players committee and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, but we were still hard-working, good, good guys, you know, they weren't, they didn't get carried away with it and they kept producing the performances in the league as well, we did pretty well. Just missed out on the playoffs. Um, so it was difficult, but it was enjoyable. Um, it's the biggest thing of all was to see the town, the reaction of the town, and all the cars with the stickers and people queuing up for tickets. And uh, the fact that we'd affected so many people's lives by what we'd done. Um, that was before we got to Old Trafford. was um was fantastic. God, yeah, I mean... All the shop windows and things like that were yeah. all created, weren't they? Yeah. You know, it must it must give you an immense sense of pride, like at the time and even looking back, that you were kind of manager of something like that. Yeah, to, 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 to be able to have affected people's lives in such a positive manner over that three-month period or whatever it was, was 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 really something special. So so going into the Middlesbrough match, how do you how do you plan? When you're coming up against Janino and Ravenelli and <laughs> people like that, well, with two plans, we? with the plan to mark Janino man for man with Julesy, or we just stuck to the back four that we had and um, you know tried to pass them on and deal with them in, in, in that way. Um, so that was the, the two shapes that we had. Um, and we used them both in the match. We started with the back four, but it didn't take long to work out that we better get a hold of this Janino a bit more than we were. So we went into the second option, if you like. Mm. And and we had um, Tom Curtis on. He was talking about how um, when when the penalty was awarded, and <laughs> picked the ball up and he heard you <laughs> shouting, "Dice!" Was that was that something that? Um, Straight away, you thought, Dash has got to have the ball for this one. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to tell anybody. Tom had taken them, but he'd missed a couple. He got the big one against Forrest, obviously. Mm. But, um, and I didn't want to say to anybody before the match who was taken it. I thought that would be too big a burden for somebody to have. So I didn't, we didn't decide that. But I knew who it was going to be, but... Uh, I just relayed it on when when the penalty was given. Is it one of those things where you just thought them being captain and the yeah mentality of him and the guy you know he he was the guy who could take the responsibility and I was certain he would score, which was stupid because you know anybody can miss a penalty, but um, well he did he scored. Yeah, and I, I, love, I love that clip of the of it just because you can hear the thump as he hits the ball. Um, <laughs> absolutely magnificent. Still Morris, this terrific play brought down. David Ellery thinks and gives Chesterfield the penalty kick. And I was talking to John Duncan an hour before the kickoff. He says we haven't got a penalty taken. Well, they have now. He's shouting Deitch, I think. He's shouting to the captain. They're all looking at each other. Come on to the captain. 
Well, if you're not sure, lad, the only ones that can offer that, just smash it. Sean Dyche. He smashed it all right. Chesterfield lead. Middlesbrough by two goals to nil. And and obviously we should mention like a disallowed goal and yeah and things like that. I mean, is that something you still look back on kind of every now and then? Well, I suppose you get less and less, but uh, you never you we all think it um, the goal should have been given. But the other side of it is if we'd got to Wembley, I mean that build up to Wembley would have been a killer, you know. <laughs> You've been I don't know, be worrying just about as much about getting a hammer as about winning it, obviously. Um, but it would have been a great experience to 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 have felt if we hadn't made it. Yeah. Did you did you watch the final or were you on the were you on the holiday or we were on holiday, yeah. We didn't really want nobody was really that interested in it. Um well, what was it, Middlesbrough? Uh Chelsea scored in the first minute, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have let a goal in in the first minute. No, unlikely. No chance. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then what was it? What was it like after that whole run? Because obviously, loads of people got got moves, didn't they? On on the back of that. So it, well, that's the other thing, you know. And by that time, you know, when you're a manager, you you try to keep your best players and get them on contract. And last thing you want to see, see them going out the door. And I'd done that with that team for a couple of seasons and but when they've done so well in the cup like that um, and the big money is likely to come their way as much as I don't want to lose them I, I could un, uh, you know I could understand why they would have to go and try and because these guys weren't rich these guys were just ordinary people didn't have he had a few bob I suppose but nothing to to write home about. So it would have been wrong for Davis not to go and make money. Deitch, Curtis, Williams, Mercer, Holland, you know, it, it would have been wrong, uh, if, especially if we, we couldn't match the, the payments that they would, they would likely get. So I didn't really want to stand in their way mm. um, because of what they'd done and given to the club anyway. Yeah. And and the um, and that cup run, do you think without a cup run, we'd have stood a good chance of promotion that season? Because the fixtures congested up a bit, didn't they? Yeah, I suppose. I think we probably would have done. Maybe next, we'd have got into the play. Would it? Yeah, we'd have got in the playoffs. I think. Um, but by the time we hit the quarterfinals, you know that the cup took pre- the cup did take precedence. We just had to do it that way and hope that maybe we would pick up enough wins in the league, but we had to prepare. Curtis got injured um, and just made the semi and no more, I think it was. Um, and there was a few situations like that where we just couldn't risk playing a player in the in the league game. Yeah. Um, so the league became secondary and just didn't quite make it. Do you think that nowadays a club of the same kind of level could could reach an FA Cup semi-final? Um, it's probably unlikely, isn't it, these days? Because it's the top of the table, the top of the Premier League is so so world class now. Mm. Um, but the standards in the lower leagues are higher as well. I don't I don't think they'd make the pair. They might sneak in. You might nick in the quarters or. Semis, I think, the very best. Yeah, yeah, it's don't stop everyone believing, does it? <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> and um, and then yeah, it, so then you had you were still with Chesterfield obviously until 2000, weren't you? And there was loads of, I mean, I loved uh, that was when I kind of really started watching Chesterfield, and I, I totally loved Steve Blatherwick and David Reeves and people, yeah. like that, magnificent players. Um, we kind of did have a go, didn't we? We came ninth, I think, the season after. Yeah, we didn't do too bad. I think I had a run of about three or four seasons. I think we were in the top, top ten the whole time. So, um, but, you know, it was hard to get as players as good as the ones that we'd had previously. You've mentioned a couple of lads there. 
Marcus said Ebden was as good as anybody else. But it was really difficult to to fill the gaps, and I had to fill a lot of gaps pretty quickly. Um, and gradually, the finances has changed. Um, the was it Dan Brown took over as well, so there was um, change in that area, and he had his own thoughts and his own ways. And to be fair, I'd probably had done my time as well, you know, uh, as much as I was still doing my best, I was probably not just quite as sharp and as decisive as I, as I was as a manager previously. And, and Nicky Law said that you were great to him when he got the job. Um, yeah. I, sp- I suppose that's, is that something you wanted to see it? You, you, you were, did you have faith in him as going on to being a manager? Did you sing that in him as a player? Um, well, definitely. You know, he was a clever lad. He was a good leader. And, um, he can make decisions. Um, so I think he was a logical, logical choice, to be fair. Um, but no, no, yeah. I mean, he's another one who'd done so much. I wanted him to stay at the club, actually, but I told him he wouldn't be first choice, you know, Dykes, Williams, Carr would 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 be ahead of him, um, but uh, but I wanted him to stay, but he wanted to play, and he went went non-league actually, mm. but then we brought him back in as a community officer, and he was working in the club at that time, which we were pleased to have him back in. And and one thing I wanted to we get near the end, but one thing I wanted to ask about was just. Um, having a testimonial, <laughs> which is amazing. Not many managers get a testimonial, do they? It's... No, we've done 10 years, haven't we, all together at least. Um, but then, remember, the club had gone into administration and gone broke by then. So both Kevin and I, were our contracts were not upheld at that time. So we, we, we didn't get paid. We, we eventually got a uh, a payment, but nothing and nothing like as as uh, equal to the contract that we'd signed. So it was really in lieu of that, and we were delighted with the guy who was it, who was it. So his name I can't get his name out. Who actually got it through for us? Um, good guy. Um, he was part of the supporters' trust. He led that. Um, and, yeah, it was good. Man United came over and Sir Alec did, did this a favour and sent over quite a few of his top players. I was going to say, I mean, we lost lost 5-0, but <laughs> like the goal scorers were Lauren Blanc and Ruud van Nistelrooy and Roy Keane, I think, scored as well. I mean, yeah. They did bring a stellar team, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, fantastic, yeah. Do you look back on management now and, and miss it, or are you? No, 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 no. Well, I had enough. I had enough of that. <laughs> was the look what, look what it's turned me into, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and finally, obviously, there's the the title win in eighty four, eighty five, and the playoff win um, in ninety four, ninety five, and then the FA Cup semi final. Is is there anything that kind of sits top of the tree for you, or is it hard to pick? Oh, I think it's the, the semi final and the Cup runners, top of the tree. I don't think you can really deny that. But to be champions was immense at that time in my career. First real big success, if you like. And the playoff run, that run that took us right through there, it was special. Mm. Uh, and the way that we did it, scoring, scored the goals with the front three. David Moss, not mentioned too much about him. Lorimer and um, Davis up, up there was oof, phenomenal for that second part of the season. Um, but you've got to go with the cup, I think, because the overriding good feeling and memory that you that I have and I think all the players that were involved did as well. Yeah. And, and final question, when when the glasses went flying, <laughs> were they your glasses? They it turned out, no, you wouldn't believe it. Somehow or other, I don't know. Bloody Cup semi-final. I'd, 
I'd either left the, my glasses in the car or something, you know, and, and they discovered it in the on the bus on the way to Old Trafford. Um, but Kevin' eyes were similar to mine on the defects, and so I I borrowed his spare pair, and it was them that went flying. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that was a that was a moment, yeah. We were doing the wrong thing there, actually, as it turned out, you know. We must have had a minute left to go, didn't it? And we really, you know, I said, oh, God, brilliant, right? Like, you know, steady down. We really should just have stayed, stayed forward with everybody and uh, been a better chance of winning 4-3 in that last minute than, than we had in the replay. But easier said than done now. Cracky. Can you imagine if we'd have won 4-3 on that? Good early cross. Very good early cross. Kewitt! Jamie Kewitt! The lad from Chesterfield has equalised for Chesterfield in the 119th minute. Well, you could not in a million years have envisaged a match like this between sides Sean Duncan even loses his glasses in the jubilation nil nil at half time 2-2 at regulation time 3-2 halfway through extra time and in the nick of time Jamie Hewitt keeps Chesterfield in the FA Cup.